I find your lack of faith disturbing. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Happy Friday, everybody. I'm Gary Mans. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mans and Mitchell on the air, and we're in your ears for an hour. Happy to be there. Nice job with the Q-tip, by the way. And of course, also in our ears throughout the hour, we have bad boy Benny Mathers at the board, keeping us on an even keel. Benny, how are you doing? How's the weather up in Seattle? There <laughs> 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 we go. Gary and Suzanne, it is nice in Seattle. Proceed. Don't tell me that you're actually my father. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know how we can pull that one off. Oh, my goodness. We're brothers from All another right. mother. Could be. Always. Could okay, be there we go. Wonderful. Uh, we're delighted today. I believe this is the third time, Suzanne, that we're going to have Reverend Teresa Fieberts with us. She's a personal friend of ours. It is our good fortune to have her as a local, and by local, I mean in Sarasota, Florida, where we reside. Teresa is doing wonderful things for people who want to aspire higher. Okay. Thank Let's you. Let's bring this lady on. We have a lot to talk about. We're going to so do some metaphysical Q and A today. Who's going to be, do the mad props? Yeah, I can do it. It's right here in front of me. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the big uh, type here. This is good. Yeah, <laughs> That's Reverend what... Teresa Fieberts <laughs> has been an enthusiastic student of the science of mind and spirit philosophy since 1992. She's got a few years on me. I discovered it in 1996. There's a whole story behind that. Maybe we'll work it into this hour. 1995 Teresa... for me. Yes, you had a jump on me as well. Teresa has used these principles to change her life, and her passion for the teaching is infectious. She founded the Center for Spiritual Living Cultural Coast in Sarasota, Florida, 11 months before COVID hit. Not missing a beat, Teresa and her beloved community are found on Facebook Live and YouTube. And that includes, of course, wonderful music provided by her guitarist husband, Bobby, who's just a wonderful human being in his own right. I have a feeling, Teresa Fieberts, as we welcome you on, Rev, it seems like you found your match made in heaven when you met Bobby. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. And and (laughs) the two of you, uh, I have... I have been there when you have preached a wonderful time. We don't like to use the word sermon around here. That's a little old fashioned, a little old school, but you give a great talk. And then Bobby provides this music and there's just a feeling and uplifting sense of mutual love and respect in the room whenever you show up. So kudos to you, madam. Thank you. Not, not unlike you and Suzanne doing your thing together. It's a really blessed thing, isn't it? It's really, it's really fun to be able to get, to do that, to share. Yeah. If anything goes wrong, like that. Yep. That's a a working definition of synergy, I believe. Yeah. Yes. There you go. And you started your church 11 months before COVID. So you really didn't get much of a start before you were shut down. And how is, how is that gone? How is that gone for you as far as being on Facebook live and, and doing everything virtually? Did you, have you gotten used to that? whole thing? Yes. Yes and no. So uh, as I said, I thought that was important. The We didn't miss a beat. We didn't, 
we decided at five o'clock on a Saturday that we would not be able to open on that Sunday. I mean, literally five o'clock, I had a guest coming in from Ocala. She called me. She said, my board doesn't want me to go. You know, COVID was hitting the news. It was, I think, the second week in in March or the third week in March. Yes. And um, she said, I'm not going to be able to come. And and so I said, you know, I looked at Bobby and we just said, well, we're not going to do it. We're going to figure out how to do it else in another way, literally the night before. So um, it has been a learning curve. Bobby was at the, at the charge of that learning curve for sure. As far as the technology piece of it, I say yes and no, because I really did not struggle while we were broadcasting from our home. It was not a struggle for me. I was very centered in knowing that, that the community was out there. And not only that, we were seeing every week that it was, there were more people joining. We, we regularly have people from other states now, and even a wonderful human being from Austria that has found us and tunes in. And so it's fun. It's, yeah. it's been expansive in that way. But we did start broadcasting back from our original location in December and last week I had 20 people in the room. That was the first time. And so we're moving that way right now. We're saying, oh, let's do reservations, you know, and let's take 25 or 30 people. So there's growing pains in that. And from a technical standpoint, just I've been looking at the camera. It's been very intimate. It's just been very intimate. I knew I was reaching right into people's homes and their hearts. And now I have, I'm in a big room with people in chairs and whatnot. So we that's all, shifting. Right. We all had to act fairly quickly at the start of it. And I, I can remember that my brother was here from Chicago and he was painting March one through six and didn't finish the painting. But I said, I think you need to go home. I think that there's going to be difficulties with the airlines and all kinds of things. And I think you need to go. There, there's a there's a pandemic coming like like a tsunami right and and so he left so what your time frame is exactly right you know it was mm-hmm. like the second week uh, third week of March the yeah. shutting down part happens quickly the opening up part happens rather slowly because <sighs> after being shut down all this time it's like we're very tentative in our steps about you know how much can we do you know can can we we're vaccinated. Can we go out without a mask? Do we need to wear a mask? You know, there's like all this stuff about taking those baby steps to open up once again. And how do you know if you're doing it too soon? Because I think, you know, one of the uh, cautions is you don't want to be there infecting people. Right. Well, it's definitely it for me. I, um, we're recommending masks, and um, I wore a mask except for at the front of the room when I was when we were live. And um, right. and then I put my mask on and afterwards and I I did have someone ask me, why was I wearing a mask? Well, the, yes, right. Let me correct that. He didn't really ask me a question. Right. Um, and and uh, so I know that, that people look at this in all different right. views and lenses and and I I'm literally making decisions for myself and then my board and my practitioners are making decisions collectively via consensus for the community. 
I consulted with my doctor this morning about uh, a number of things, just having some blood work done and did it by phone, which I like, don't have to go in the office and sit and wait. I can sit and wait at home. Right. <laughs> and, and so that's, that was interesting, but uh, he, he's a very, very smart man. And I, I feel like I'm gathering information from everywhere because mm -hmm. I don't think anyone knows everything. And so how do you synthesize all the information that's coming in to make the best decision, you know, right. for yourself and your family and your community? Uh, these are not easy decisions. I, I know that, you know, when you, when you look at the news, it's black or white, but really we're all living in the gray area, trying to navigate our way through to, you know, what we think is the best thing to do. And these are, right. these are not easy decisions to make. Right. Okay. So uh, let's pull a, the conversation out of sick bay, though it's yes. important to visit and realize what we're up against here. And it's not over yet. I mean, uh, we like to talk optimistically. We're hearing that from Dr. Fauci, whose word I trust implicitly. And yet we have a ways to go. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, you know, the great thing about people who believe as we do, and as you teach and preach, to borrow the old-fashioned term, doesn't seem like preaching when you're doing it, you're giving some wonderful insights, actually. It's this idea that, in just a couple of words, aspire higher. Teresa, it seems that you invite people to take a fundamental look at how they've been living life, and if they are, at this point, dissatisfied to whatever degree, they're not out of options. There is another way to look at the greater forces in life and what they have to offer us if we choose to cooperate and also co-create with them. I love that. And I love that aspire higher. And thank you. Thank you, Gary. I, I love that. Um, I don't think that everything's a problem to be fixed, but, and even in, in science mind and new thought philosophy, we often approach everything as if it's a problem to be fixed or it's something to to overcome and change manifest i mean we say we we with the power of the mind we can change conditions but yet if we take a gentler approach to it if we take that curiosity approach if we we instead of avoidance or seeing something as as we're up against it what's here for me what can i learn from this how do i need to grow in this? What do I need to become? What do I need to release? All those kinds of questions so that I can be in the flow with life rather than constantly beating against it. And there are things that we want different individually and collectively. There's, there's change we do want to see. And, and I won't bypass around that, but when we're in the place of struggle, we're not using our energy effectively. Mm. Yes, I like that. I like that. I, I heard something, I either read it or I heard it, and I, and I might have read it um, recently. And it kind, of, it kind of shook me a little bit, got me to thinking. In religious science, we talk about that divine intelligence being everywhere at all times. So it's inside of us. It's outside of us. We're, we're in it. It's in us. It is everywhere. There is no place where God is not. 
And somebody had written that um, God is even in the bacteria. And I'm going, what? Wait, 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 wait. No, there is no good or bad. You know, it isn't like bacteria, bad, people, good. No, no, no. It, if, if that intelligent life exists in everything, it even exists in what we term as our enemies, our problem neighbors, bacteria and viruses. And so then that's kind of gives you a different way to look at things too, doesn't it? That's absolutely it. You, you, you hit it on, you hit it on the head. That's absolutely it because then we're in a place if we're not naming it, if we're not naming it as bad and we're open, then we're receptive to, to a greater perception. Then we can see that, that, that light in the darkness. Then we're more able to feel into with empathy, someone else's experience, or, you know, if we're seeing that it's all the living spirit in form, that everything we're looking at and dealing with is the living spirit in form. It is divine. It is a divine incarnation, right? I just read um, uh, uh, Father Richard Rohr say that that the first arc incarnation was in Genesis. It was the earth. And I, I thought that was so brilliant. I mean, it is just everything is an incarnation of the divine. Right. And if we can look with those eyes, we soften our stance is automatically softened. And then it becomes, how do I shift my attention? How do I cleanse my lens? What do I need to do to be able to find God in this? Because it's there. I can remember my grandfather um, studied and worked with electricity. And he would come and fix various things at our house that were electrical, either plugs or sockets or doorbell or any number of things that he used to come over and help with. But we also had um, gas, a gas um, water heater, gas stove. And he said, I understand electricity, so I'm not afraid of it. Mm-hmm. I don't understand gas and I don't like to work with it. And so I think there's this idea of respecting things, especially if you don't know them all that well, or you don't understand them all that well, you don't need to be fearful, you do need to be respectful. If you know, if you, if you don't understand it, don't be playing with it in a way that you could get hurt. That's great. Yeah, because all of these things can work for you or against you. Right. I, I love your analogy. And I, I don't know what came to me was Christianity and, and physics. Oh, <laughs> you know? say more about that. <laughs> I mean, we can use anything in a positive way or in a harmful way. Yes. Yeah. You know, every, everything. And, and I don't believe that that the divine, you know, we you when you said, well, okay, it's it's here present and, and you know, we're in it, it's in us. So it's it's imminent, it's here now, but it's also transcendent, right? But I don't believe that we're being pulled like little puppets. I mean, we have autonomy and authority and free will. 
And, and we can be dangerous with that and we can be hurtful with that and we can harm others with that. And we can also do great good. And that's not on God. That's our use of that right. presence and power. Our use of that presence and power. I like that. What a phrase. I think sometimes in graphic terms, uh, Teresa, and I think, for example, and once in a while, these thoughts will just roll around in my head. When it comes to electricity, about which I know next to nothing, and even the greatest scientists struggle, I don't think they've succeeded yet in defining precisely what electricity is, but it's a force that you can use. So if I take electricity as an example, I realize that electricity doesn't have an opinion about its use. It works from a higher potential to a lower potential, which implies a particularization of a fundamental force in the universe toward ends that can be defined and often subjectively as good or bad. What would be a stark contrast? The one I like to use, electricity is what powers the electric chair and takes human life in a fairly hideous manner as punishment for crime. We don't use those much anymore, thank goodness, there but happened for a long time. On the other hand, electricity, again, without any opinion in the matter, will also make your breakfast toast, a perfectly innocuous thing and rather tasty. It is, whatever the force is, whatever the laws of the universe are, they are only as good or bad as we think them to be relative to our use of the forces themselves. Amen. I had, I had to spend some time on that, like, wow, you mean I'm responsible for what happens to me? I'm going to have to be careful from now on. And which switch you use. Which, which switch <laughs> you're going to use. I know use. which one I want you to flip and not flip. I can tell you right. that. It, right. It, it just works that way. And it's true for everything. We have, And you're the perfect person to ask, Teresa. The science of mind has a symbol, a glyph. The science of mind glyph, and you can't spend more than a few minutes around religious scientists if you're the inquiring sort without finding out what that means. Has have you run into people over the years who ask you now that you've, you've got there's there's like a circle and then it's like there's two bars and then it look, what looks like a V that's just going from the top to the bottom. What does that mean anyway? Well, I wish your listeners could see me lifting my arm right now. There it is, right there. On my forearm. <laughs> Nice. I love you won't be forgetting anytime soon. <laughs> I will not. And that's exactly so interestingly enough, I have a minister friend who wears this symbol on his hand in a, on a ring and he has it facing the V is facing in a different direction than I have it on my arm. So when I look at it, the V is facing towards me. We call this the science mind teaching symbol. To me, it is to remind me and it represents to me the creative process. So I look at this and I reach out my hand to shake a hand. I reach out to grab a door. I see it all the time and it reminds me I am creating. I am co-creating my experience. I, I have the, the fullness of the symbol is the divine one. The one, the one source of substance of all life, God, if you choose to call it that. And it's in a round circle because it's all encompassing. 
okay? And then from the top to the bottom, that spirit is coming into form and it comes into form by our choice, our words, our, our, our deeds, our actions by means of the, the reciprocal nature of life. And what we put into it, we're getting back out of it. And at the bottom is the form. So from a universal perspective, it's God coming into form, as we just said. It is all things. It is incarnate in all things. Um, but when it's me personally looking at it, my thoughts are creating my experiences. That's the most simplistic way to see it. So my friend that wears it on his ring has it facing out. So people look at it and they're seeing it for themselves. And then when he explains it to them. So he he has it as an, a reminder that he's always teaching this mm. teaching. I okay. have it as a reminder for myself that I am always, I'm always creating in every experience. And would that include, this is begging the question, I freely admit, would that inc include financial prosperity? And the reason why I bring that up, Teresa, is because I was on the board of a church in Seattle for four years, and it's just amazing what kinds of criticism you get from people who are, shall we say, uninitiated. There was a nasty letter that came to us one time in which this particular community was accused of being a money cult. <sighs> and they're thinking, wow, first of all, you've just damned money you've condemned it and trust me folks if you condemn something it will flee from you money yeah. itself is energy and about any energy can flee from where it is not welcome or not allowed to express itself and i well, think money cult really how about you know money can do a lot of good in the world what use are you putting to it anyway well, and, and so, but it, that's a perfect example. Money is a perfect example of what I was saying earlier with, with if we see a problem or we, we, we push against something we see or we fight against something we see, resist something we see. I would venture to guess that that person may not have had a lot of fluid financial prosperity in their life because they were coming at it from a negative condemning kind of viewpoint. Um, we, what we embrace, we enhance, we, it proliferates, you know? And, and so if we're going to look at money as something negative and evil, and I, this was one of my first challenges when I found this teaching back in the 1990s was, was, was finances. And um, I can remember clearly sitting in my very first science mind class, having scraped together um, coins for my kids for lunch that day. Well, for my son, my daughter wasn't in school yet. And um, crying, crying over not, I, I, you know what, I live in a beautiful home, cars paid off. I mean, you know, <laughs> life's very different for me today than it was then. I stopped fighting against everything. You know, and now I can see the presence of divine in in finances, in money. And you're exactly right. It can be used for good, just like our analogy of electricity. It can be used for good. I want to be a, 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 a donor. I want to be someone who gives money away because I have so much. I want to support organizations that do good in the world. Don't we want to align with that? 
instead of damning it. That's known, I believe, as the law of circulation. And whenever I apply that, and do I do it consistently? No, I don't. There's plenty more for me to learn in that regard. But when I circulate the energy that is money, what I find is that it's like that bread that biblically we cast upon the waters, and no matter how long it takes, inevitably it returns to us in the sense that what issues from us, good, bad, or indifferent, never returns to us void. It will come back to us. What goes around comes around with results following. Yeah, right. Right. I love that. I've got a great, if, if I may, I've got a great example of circulation. Yes. Um, six months ago, and this is not financial circulation, but I love the idea of circulation. Circulation being of the reciprocal nature of God, too. There's many ways that we can look at that circular, you know, circulation, that flow. Um, six months ago, I was told, my doctor told, wanted to put me on statins and um, my cholesterol was high. And I have been a 32-year vegetarian, and I am not a macaroni and cheese vegetarian, I will have you know. I am a a greens-eating vegetarian, right? (laughs) Very little dairy in my diet, very little, um, you know, occasionally goat cheese. So um, I was really resisting. I was really adamant. I will not go on statins and you need to give me another six months. Well, I am happy to say that as of two days ago, I got my results of my six months test and I had dropped 44 points. So I'm, I'm in a fine level today. That's great. Yeah. And, but there was one of my prayers, my constant daily prayer was I'm in perfect circulation. So perfect. Ernest Holmes used the phrase perfect circulation, assimilation, elimination, right? So I started with the, with the, the uh, wholeness, the fullness of the divine love, that presence, that goodness, that it is here and it's circulating in me. Okay, it's circulating and I'm assimilating it, right? And all the bad thoughts, everything I don't need, I'm eliminating. So from a very high level, there was the circulation, assimilation, elimination in my body temple, circulation, all the good things that I eat, all the exercises I'm doing, all the good positive thoughts that I'm having, circulating and assimilating all that good throughout my body and the oxygen and the blood flow and all the good healthy cholesterol is assimilating and I'm eliminating what? The bad cholesterol, right? anything that stands in the way of my optimum health. So I, you know, but I changed, I changed, shifted some of my diet that really wasn't much to shift. And I started exercising more and, you know, so you do everything. That's the treat and move your feet part of our teaching too. It's not just in your consciousness. You follow through with it on the things that you do. Um, You live it. This is a 24 seven That's why we're called the centers for living, you know, the centers for spiritual living, Um, not philosophizing or navel gazing or, you know, whatever. (laughs) I liked how, oh, you know what? I just realized it's time to take a break. That's a good spot to do it in. Why don't we do that? And Teresa can hold her thoughts. And uh, I have so many, I'm like a guy with a deck of 52 cards and the, the hand is five cards. So which ones do I draw? but we can get back to that on the other side. Absolutely. 
Also, we want to let people know how they can get in touch with Reverend Teresa Fieberts and her community. It doesn't matter where you are through the miracle of modern online technology and what a miracle that really is. There, you could participate very beneficially and contribute what you can to a vibrant ministry ministry in our midst here on the sun coast of Florida. But it doesn't matter if you're in uh, Zanzibar, anywhere in the world, Australia, I'll bet you've got people tuned in. They see you from Australia on YouTube and then you hear from them and you just go, what a miracle. This is something that, you know, 20 years ago would have seemed like science fiction, but here we are. Well, give us a couple of minutes. We will take our one and only break when we come back more with Teresa Fieberts. And thank you for listening to Manson Mitchell on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash manceandmitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. Alternative Talk 1150. It's good for what ails you. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Teresa Fieber. It's her third time here. We're grilling her with our metaphysical Q&A. Teresa, if people would like to find out more about your service, what is the best website? And is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? Thank you. Um, our website is cslculturalcoast.org. CSL stands for Centers for Spiritual Living, but it is just simply the initials cslculturalcoast.org. 
And um, there you can find both the link for YouTube, our YouTube channel, and our Facebook Live, which, which is Sundays at 11, that's Eastern. And then all there's archives of everything we've done as, as well there. And there's also a place there to sign up for our e-newsletter, which comes out weekly on Thursdays. Um, we're very active on Facebook. So our Facebook page, CSL Cultural Coast, um, you, can, you can get pretty much daily or every other day information there as well. Do you do classes online and things like that? We, we do. We're getting ready to start a book series, um, a, a, book, a book group. And then I, because right now we're in that phase of this hybrid opening and figuring yeah. out exactly that, what that's going to look like. I'm a little sidetracked, so I'm not going to start a class um, probably for a month or so. But yes, we will. And I did teach all the last two years. I mean, I had ongoing classes, certainly online those were online so now we'll do a hybrid thing okay i would like to change lanes here a little bit teresa because you develop themes very well you bring people along with you and you know i always admire ministers who start with an idea and work toward creating a multi layered expression of what they're trying to say yes but also to do it sequentially so that you advance in your understanding of a given principle and you are one of those people who are quite adept at that and i think some of that is going on right now it is and i i can't i i love it i'm i love that because that's how i learned in this teaching and so this year, I'm taking the theme, and Centers for Spiritual Living globally have taken the theme, Living Everyday Wonder. And so it's exciting to think that there's 400 communities in 30 countries around the globe having a conversation that's very similar. Now, I don't follow the, the outline. It has to be real for me. It has to be relevant for me. But I, I take the titles and I, I run with them. But this idea of living everyday wonder, we began the year um, looking at a, a wheel, the wonder wheel, and looking, feeling into where our lives are, are really doing well, where we feel that we're expansive and growing and, and there's a sense of lightness, a sense of freedom, um, fullness, success if you will, in our relationships or in our health and where we feel constricted and stagnant. Is it in our finances? Is, it, is that in our work? Do we not feel that we're creatively expressing? So we've got 11 spokes to that wheel. This month being the 12th month of the year, right? The first month, we're setting up for the whole year. And so we, be, we did that. Everybody individually had an opportunity to feel in. And I told them, you're going to keep this. And throughout the year, we're going to be working on it. And at the end of the year, we're going to do that wheel again so we can come back and say, well, what was my experience this year? And was I able to grow in the areas that I have felt previously constricted in? And how did I expand? So this idea of 
living everyday wonder is being curious about life, interested in life, engaged in life, not turning away from the ugly darkness, the painful things, but go into them with our eyes open to the fact that spirit's there. And that's what we're looking for. That's what we're going to discover when our eyes are open and our hearts are open and our minds are open. I think one way to uh, approach this is, you know, we, we all have a, a plate full or a bucket full or a barrel full of problems that we're looking <laughs> at things that, you know, we wish weren't, you know, the way that they are. And you can take the perspective that your problem is solved because all of our problems have been solved that we had in our past, you know, and mm. now we have, you know, other problems, new ones, <laughs> At new, new ones, if we're lucky, if we're not just repeating the same old thing. But I think if you, if you take the perspective that there is an answer to the question, there is an answer to uh, solve or resolve something I think staying curious, like you were talking about, will open up some potential and answers that really will seem like wonder when the problem is solved. And we can, instead of looking for problems, which is very easy to do, very easy, we, we're default programmed for seeing problems, but to begin to see to ask the question, how, how is this working for my good? How could this get solved? And to just keep asking the question over and over and over again, how can this problem get solved? When it does, that is the time to look at that and realize all problems are actually solvable yeah. in some way. Yeah. And that, that, um, that kind of, the, the curiosity piece, looking at what is it for, what's here for me, those kinds of things. Last week, that was the topic of my conversation is to question everything. Um, you know, I, I loved um, question authority, that bumper, when that bumper sticker came out, you know, but I, that's inherently who I am. I'm a, I'm a pusher. I'm going to push, 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 push forward. So I like to question and, and is that really true? And, you know, not all questions are equal. They're, they're just not, not all questions. There's, there's some questions like, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why do I always do right. that? Why, blah, 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 blah. you know, take yourself down the rabbit hole versus, right. you know, what is wanting to be realized in me? What, 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 what is this pain about? Or what am I not feeling? How am I not feeling fulfilled? I read this fascinating thing about divergent thinking. Children, I don't know if you guys have grandkids, I have two, I have twins, a set of twin um, grandsons that are four and a half years old, and a one and a half year old. Oh my God, can they ask questions? They will incessantly ask questions, right? And I love it. So children between four and five years old, ask like, like, what, somewhere between 70 and 300 400 questions a day i still love it too i didn't mean to interrupt i have twin boys that are 11 and it still goes and i love it too yes. <laughs> keeps me yes. on my toes i like it i like it i do too yeah i Thanks, do too Betty. because they're curious and you want to foster that you don't want totally. to shut that off mm -hmm. right because what happens is it, it it does the statistics 
of that kind of divergent thinking is thinking outside the box. So, so at, at 10 years old, they've, they've already lost a, a good percentage of what they had when they were younger. By 15, they've lost even more because they're worried about fitting in, right? And so, you know, if you're fitting in, you're not thinking differently. You're thinking like everybody else. Well, so here you go. You give the same test. NASA had a test that they devised. Um, you guys probably already know this with the with the simple metal contraption called a paper clip. And they asked four-year-olds, what can, how many things can you think of? Those four-year-olds came up with 200 on average, 200 oh uses for a paper clip. Now oh I'm sure God. some of them were so fabulously silly, right? And adults come up with between 10 and 15. Ah. what have we done yes. to ourselves? Yeah. What have we done to our ability to be creative and flexible? I'm saying right now with the way with, with COVID and the constraints that we've been under the last two years, the best thing I can do is be versatile and flexible and spontaneous and fluid. And, you know, because I don't know. Well, it, and and there's nothing you're... wrong with saying that. Let's be creative and create something right. new. And what you're talking about, I think, is your thinking. You want your thinking to be flexible and your thinking yes. to be creative and fluid. I, I had a lesson about this one time. This was like a, a smack in the head. I had a truly, truly wonderful boss. And he brought me in one day and he said, there's, there's, uh, there's something that I, I, I want to work out. And, and this is what it is. And he presented me with a problem, an un, uh, nearly unsolvable problem. And I said, oh, well, we can't do that because, and I listed all the reasons why we could not do what he asked me to do. And he let me go through the whole list. Well, we can't do that because of this. And we can't do it because of that. And we can't do that. And so when I got all done, he said, I didn't ask you how it won't work. What I asked you was, how can you get it to work? Right. Silence. Right. How can I get it to work? Well, that's the part about looking at something with curiosity and yeah. looking at it from a different angle. Because I, I think that all these problems that we hold on to and carry around with us are all solvable problems but not if we keep looking at them the same way all the time. We have to look at things a different way. And in looking right. at it a different way, all of a sudden you can see how it something can work, not how something can't work. Right. And, and I like that. And the, and the kids can see, oh, there's 200 ways that we can do something with this. Right. So, you know, you're right when you say the older we get, you know, the, the stiffer our thinking, the more concrete our heads are. And, you know, then we're just into the woe is me, nothing ever works out. You take that curiosity of a small child and you could figure out 200 ways to fix a problem. Right. I, I really think part of it, um, I really think part of it, a big piece of it is seeing it as a problem. Yes, no, of, course, of, of course, instead of a, 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 a possible puzzle, 
a puzzle. A yeah. puzzle. That's yeah. great. A puzzle or a possibility. You know, right. I could call myself a possibilitarian. I want to live in that place that I automatically, instinctively see, oh, well, there's this and there's this and there's this, you know, like the children do versus, well, we can't, we can't, we can't. And I, it's a process. I'm not saying oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm really good at it, no, but, no. but it is what I aspire to aspire higher. It is what I aspire to. And I also think that it's brilliant when we can live in the question. When we're not so anxious, when something, the quote problem seems so pressing that we have to, and I gave myself six months for the, for the cholesterol, you know, it's like, I, I wasn't, number one, I'm not fearful of dying. So let's just put it right out there. You know, basic principle is the universe friendly or is it not? Are you connected? Or are you not? I operate from a basic principle that I'm always in God, whether I die or not. So I'm not fearful of dying. So right there. Okay, I'm there, there's no big hurry <laughs> to, to fix this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so living in the question, being and exploring. You know, some people spend their whole lives to discover one thing or to explore one thing or one facet. And isn't that fabulous, you know? Um, so, so to live in the question, I feel like I have lived in the question since 2008 and I decided I was going to go back to college. And now today, even after I founded this community in 2000, whatever that was, 18, 19, I guess we started talking about it, 18. Today, I'm still living in the question because what does spiritual community look like when it's hybrid? What does it look like when there's some people that, that are afraid to, to be in community and others who want to be in community? So you live in the question without mm-hmm. the anxiety because there's an underlying foundation that we're in God, of yes. God. Mm, I love that. I take heart from experiences the likes of which I have not experienced and that is the near-death experience. I've done a fair amount of reading on the subject, and what impresses me most, I guess, is that with very few exceptions, people who go through the near-death experience come back gaining insight, gaining an overwhelming sense of beauty, the grandeur of the universe and of spirit. The one thing they lose from the experience is their fear of death. Yes. And I think that's a pretty good arrangement. If you have to have that experience, I mean, something has happened to you that you're having an NDE, but if you lose your fear of death, what a gift. I had a, I had a um, ruptured appendix um, a couple years ago and I ended up in the emergency room and um, my, my, Blood pressure, my vitals were so low. It was, was not sustainable. I can't even repeat what they were. I don't remember. Um, I didn't, I, I don't call it a near-death experience, but I knew, and I was okay. I really was okay. It was a profound experience for me that I will never forget, you know, paradigm shift. I'll never go back to having that sense of anxiety about living. 
because I didn't have the anxiety about death. And so why would I have it about living? I was really at peace. It was a deep, deep awareness that I had. The deep awareness. Can Suzanne share something along these lines? Have you been pon okay? Do I jump in? I was, I was just going to write to her later. I, I also had a ruptured appendix, but I was 14 at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, it, was, it, it was a life-changing experience, although I can't say it was an NDE. But um, I, I had so much gangrene in my system Right. That the doctors didn't expect I was going to live. Right. I, I was in the hospital for a week. Yeah. Oh, I was in. 10 I don't days. think that's normal. <laughs> right, right. Right. I was in 10 days, but it, you know, back then, and I was a week having them pump that stuff out of my right. system mm. because uh, it will kill you. Right. And, and so I, I had that going on and it, it does have you look at life a little differently. Um, to say the least, um, you know, when I finally woke up from whatever coma I was in, um, I had people standing praying over me. And, and so that was, that was quite an experience to, you know, wake up to that and yeah. did not really know that there was a chance I might not wake up. I, I didn't, right. I didn't get that at the time. Right. But, um, you know, yeah. I guess it's when you, when you kind of look at, you know, I think that I have my, my share of issues. I have my, my share of stuff that, you know, I take with me, but I like it when I have a success and, and then I'll say, oh, that worked out. Oh, that worked out. And so I'm looking for all those places where things can be working out, not when they're, they're not working out. Exactly. And I like, you know, that boss that said to me, tell me how it can work. Cause he told me that a long time ago and I've taken it with me every day since it isn't that something can't work out. How can you get it to work out? And that, that gives you the confidence to keep pushing, persevering in your life. If what you're doing isn't working, Who's that guy that says, uh, how's that working out for you? Oh, Dr. Phil. <laughs> Dr. Yes. Phil, if, if something isn't working out for you, try something else. Look at it differently. Think about it differently. Be curious. Be in the question about how you can get it to work out. Because I think ultimately everything can, and then you can move on and have a different problem. We're not right. here to have a problem-free life. We just want better problems. That's that boy, Suzanne, that's a big one, right? You know, when we think we're on the spiritual path, every spiritual master, they, they did, they didn't give us any guarantees that we wouldn't have loss, that we wouldn't have pain, that there wouldn't be disease, right? Did they, did any of them tell us that? No, they sure as heck did not. Um, But our suffering, that piece of it, the clinging to it, the, the, the worshiping of the of the quote problem right that's 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 our choice and and we have our own little successes our little personal successes and those help spur us on and then we can borrow it from other people i'm right now reading this book written by john o'leary called in awe i n separate word 
A-W-E, in awe. Mm -hmm. And his story is phenomenal. He was burned at nine years old, um, literally playing with matches and gas. Mm-hmm. And it was an explosion. He was burned on a hundred percent of his body. Yes. He had like a like a zero percent chance of living, right? And his mom said to him in the hospital, he said, Mom, am I gonna be okay? And she said, John, do you want to live? It's your choice. Do you want to live? Because he had a long, yeah. long yeah. journey. Yeah. He was in the yeah. hospital for five months. But he wow. said, Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I want to live. Well, I think we all want to live and he has a magnificent story and he's living, he's married, he has four children, he has a fabulous life. We choose each and every moment of each and every day what we're going to be attached to, mm-hmm. you know, what we're hitching our wagon to, right? Isn't that what they say, you know? And it's not glossing over pain. It's not glossing over loss. I lost a dear friend this year. It's not bypassing. It's going into it with the, with the, with the magnifying glass to find spirit, to find, find what's going to evolve me. What's going to evolve me into a higher realization of this thing called life and a higher livingness with life. Philosophically, I love the idea of being brave enough to undertake the experimental life. Mm-hmm. You can try on an idea, and this is something I got from the uh, minister at the church in Seattle many years ago. I never forgot it. Just because you try an idea on doesn't mean you have to buy it and take it home permanently. <laughs> you can always return it. Or you can try it on in the dressing room of life and leave it there. It's okay to experiment. There's nothing innately fearful about that because we're not married to our ideas. We're not stuck with them. You can always start over again. That's what science mind is, isn't it? Bingo. It's a science. We have a hypothesis. Change your thinking. Change your life. You experiment with it. You know? You experiment with it. That's what it is. All right. Thank you, Teresa. As usual, we run out of time before we run out of topics with Reverend Teresa Fieberts. Thank you, my dear, for joining us. We will do this again. Yes, I love it. Thank you so much, both of you. All right. Next up is the Christine Upchurch Show. And at 1 p.m. Pacific time, we have American Road Trip Talk with host Gary Mance on what your third anniversary third anniversary show please tune in and please join us tomorrow for manson mitchell on a saturday whether it's am 1150 in seattle or 1150 kknw.com have yourselves a great weekend everyone